0: Hi everyone, it's Amber and today I've come to the 13th arrondissement um, to discover the bibliothèque uh, Marguerite Durand and I'm standing just around the corner from it, I'm in a little park because the bibliothèque is shut, it's Monday, it's shut on Mondays, I should have probably investigated that more carefully before I came here. However, I'm not even sure you can get in. I'm not sure if it's an open to the public bibliotech situation. But we're here at this bibliothèque on the trail of Marguerite herself. She gave her name to this library and she gave her massive collection of feminist works and writings and photographs to the city of Paris who were then able to create this library, the only feminist library in France. And she is a really interesting, unusual person and a little bit forgotten. You know, when we think of suffragettes and suffragists and and French feminists, lots of People might spring to mind, but until I started investigating this episode, I hadn't actually heard of Marguerite Durand. I'd heard of Marguerite Duras, and I thought they were the same person. They are not. So if, like me, you were confused, say au revoir to Tristesse and hello to Knowledge as we find out more about Marguerite herself. Marguerite Durand was born in Paris in 1864. At this time, Napoleon III was in power and Paris was beginning to undergo a radical transformation. Haussmann's renovations saw the demolition of much of the old city and the slow emergence of the shiny new one we're so familiar with today. But it was not just the geography and architecture of Paris that was in flux. In fact, most areas of life were on the brink of radical change. Cinema, art, architecture, fashion, science, forensics, you name it, they were all undergoing a metamorphosis. Paris was entering one of her most magical moments, the so-called Belle Epoque a period of change, prosperity and development which ran more or less from the 1870s to World War I in 1914, which came along and ruined the party. And so while Scarlett sewed dresses for curtains across the ocean, little Marguerite was born into all this budding potential for change and renewal. Her upbringing was quiet and seems unremarkable. She received a good convent education near her home in the 9th arrondissement and did well at school. But despite, or perhaps because of this, as soon as she could, she left for a very different life indeed. Because Marguerite was rebellious at heart and fair of face, she decided to join the Conservatoire and learn to act, finishing first in her class, and she was soon treading the boards at the Comédie Française, starring as the alluring Ingenue, and it seemed she had a very promising career before her. However, she gave it all up to marry her husband, Georges Leguerre, a radical politician and journalist. And I can only presume he was devastatingly interesting or charming, as his picture does not leave me weak at the knees and ready to leave a promising career. It was through him, however, that she really started frequenting political circles, and although their marriage, sadly, did not last, and they divorced after seven years, her interest in politics and journalism remained. She got a job at the Figaro newspaper. Now, the Figaro is France's oldest daily newspaper. It seemed, at the time of Durand, it was rather more left-leaning than it is today. It started off as a satirical weekly, which poked fun at privilege. Now it is rather more representative of the views of the privileged and most likely to be spotted under the arm of a well-dressed old gentleman somewhere in the 16th arrondissement. But it was her work at the Figaro that catapulted her into the role that she is best remembered for, feminism. Feminism. The editor of the Figaro, Antonine Previère, with whom she was having an affair, had sent her to cover the International Feminist Congress in 1896, which was being held in Paris, with the mission of writing a resolutely mocking article about these women and their ridiculous demands. He had, of course, sent a real, and by real I mean male, journalist to cover it as well. But Marguerite was inspired by the arguments of these suffragettes who demanded equal rights with men. She was also indignant with the misogynistic attitudes of a group of male students who'd shown up to cause trouble. She refused to write the article, broke up with her lover, despite being pregnant with his child, which was pretty radical in itself at the time, and decided to devote her life to the defence of women's rights. In 1897, at the age of 33, she founded and became the editor of La Fronde, a daily newspaper designed, written, staffed, produced and distributed entirely by women. That might even be remarkable today, but at the time it was unheard of and practically illegal and it was only made possible thanks to Marguerite's determination. Bear in mind that in 1897, a woman could be arrested for wearing trousers unless they were, quote, holding a bicycle handlebar or the reins of a horse, in which case they were given the permission to dress like a man. For the paper to be published daily, the typesetters needed to work at night, and this, needless to say, was strictly forbidden. Marguerite set up her own women's union and won the right for them to work. Her aim was to prove that women could succeed in the male-dominated world of journalism and that a newspaper company could function without male assistance. Although it was neither exclusively devoted to feminism nor aligned with any particular feminist group, it provided a platform for the burgeoning feminist cause. It covered all sorts of topics, from current events and culture to finance, but did not shy away from difficult subjects like abortion rights. The paper struggled financially and eventually folded eight years later in 1905, but it certainly ruffled some feathers along the way. The choice of the name La Fronde, which means catapult or slingshot, was a clever reference to a much earlier political struggle that happened during the childhood of Louis XIV. But La France suited the small paper down to the ground. They took aim at the establishment and the patriarchy through mockery and used newspaper articles instead of stones to fire well-aimed jabs and undermine their authority. In turn, the establishment tried to belittle the newspaper, referring to it as the Times in Petticoats. But the paper made real progress for women's rights. Durand wrote that... In the French population, women are in the majority. Women pay taxes, which they have no say in approving, their manual labour and intellectual work contribute to the wealth of the nation, and they claim the right to be allowed to voice their opinion on all questions affecting society and humanity, of which they are members on a par with men she was voicing a lot of the same feelings of her sister suffragettes in France and abroad. Times were indeed changing, and women wanted to finally be allowed to sit at the table and take part in making decisions. But men seemed in no hurry to allow them to do this. They were going to have to stand up and demand to be heard. But while she expressed the same feelings as most suffragists at the time, she also rocked the feminist boat. She once said, beauty is a political act and her beauty and charisma both helped and hindered her cause. Feminism, she once famously wrote, owes a great deal to my blonde hair. By this, she meant that not only was her stunning personal beauty an antithesis to the anti-feminist idea that all feminists were ugly harridans who hated men, but that she was also able to use her charms to influence the attitudes of men and indeed her lovers, some of whom who were very influential, such as the leading politician Reni Vivani. She was even able to get them to contribute to the feminist cause. But other feminist leaders were scandalised by her mundane lifestyle and sexual liaisons. So much for the sisterhood. And to be honest, it doesn't feel like a lot has really changed. Durand was especially involved in the campaigns for women's suffrage and defended the right to elect and be elected. She launched the idea of organising female candidates for the legislative elections in 1910 and ran in the ninth arrondissement of Paris, but her candidacy was rejected and in retaliation to this refusal, she called on women to boycott the current census with the pertinent argument, if we do not count, why are we counted? Which I think we can all agree is pretty spot on. The press, or perhaps people's appetite for news, seems the same now as it ever was. Although her 1910 candidacy for election was a groundbreaking move for feminism, it did not receive much coverage. However, the press did make a great deal of noise about her adoption of an eccentric pet that amused the whole of Paris, a very young and affectionate lioness called Tigre. Pierre Lafitte wrote... Madame Marguerite Durand is no longer content to think of triumphing over the eternal masculine. For some days now, she's been housing a young lioness in the garden of her small hotel near the Parc Monceau. This admirable animal, which no doubt for the sake of paradox Mrs Durand has christened Tigre, has shown herself to be exceptionally gentle. She's very familiar with Mrs Durand and her maid, but the little lioness will become a big lioness and Madame Durande is not without concern for this inevitable eventuality. Sadly, I cannot tell you whatever happened to Teague. I do hope she found a good home, and I'm sure that Marguerite did all she could to ensure this, because as well as being an actress, feminist, and journalist, she was a huge animal lover. The wonderful pet cemetery just outside Paris was actually founded by her in 1899, and if you'd like to know more about that, then head over to my Patreon page, as this month's episode is all about it. In 1914, life in Europe was interrupted by World War I. Marguerite was a patriot and was keen to help, and here too she pushed for women's rights. She helped Jean Pallier, who was something of a pioneering feminist herself. Jean was a trained pilot, however women were not allowed to fly during the war, but the two of them worked together to found the Women's Automobile Club in 1915 so that women could help fetch the wounded from the front. They were initially refused and it was not until 1917 that the French government accepted their help. Men can be such fools. How they're in charge is really beyond me. The club's 120 ambulance drivers and 70 nurses saved many lives bringing the wounded back from the front to the hospitals. Durand's heyday was undoubtedly the Belle Epoque but her most durable legacy is undeniably her archives and papers including newspapers, posters, theses, drawings, essays and more than 10,000 books which she donated to the city of Paris in 1931, five years before her death and is now preserved in the Bibliothèque Marguerite Durand in the 13th where we started this episode. As to Marguerite herself, she died on the 16th of March, 1936, nine years before women were given the vote in France, which finally happened on the twenty-ninth of April, 1945, later than their English sisters, who were able to vote from 1918, but better than their poor Swiss cousins, who only granted women the vote in 1971. Marguerite is buried in the Batignolle Cemetery, should you want to pay her a visit. As to her pet cemetery, Well, for that, you must hop on the Line 13 and head on over to Agnès-sur-Seine. Tigre is not there, but her horse is. As for my Extra Muros patrons, you'll be able to hear all about this unique cemetery in my latest bonus episode. Thank you to Elizabeth, my newest patron subscriber, and to all the patrons. Your help keeps this podcast coming. If Patreon's not for you, then by all means leave a review or tell a friend. It means the world to me and helps other people find the show. Or, like Dave, you could give me a shout-out on another podcast. It was so nice to hear Dave's review of Pan Am on PodPodWorld, a podcast that helps you find other podcasts. As ever, Music, Mixing and Magic by the fabulous Christopher. I'll link to his work in the show notes. And for pictures and sources, check out my website, panampodcast.com, or find me on Instagram. That's it for now. Take care. Bye-bye.